the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, back to our conversation with Mike and Janet Rovner. And uh, as we mentioned, they are marketplace pastors at City Church in Ventura. Mike is the uh, owner of Rovner Construction. And Mike, I want to spend a moment talking about what God has done supernaturally in your business. You started many years ago as a young man uh, doing drywall work, uh, putting up walls, doing repair work, things of that sort. I understand that your your grandmother came along and gave you a small loan to kind of launch that. Here we are all these many years later. As you look back over the last 25, 26 years, walk us through, if you would, some of the dynamic highlights where God really showed up in a significant way, and the manner in which you've been able to connect those events, those moments, those miracles, to simply being obedient to Him. You know, uh, there's so many things. It's it's really super hard to actually pinpoint uh, just one, but I, I would say, you know, as young Christians, uh, Janet had um, had just a real conviction. We were just we just uh, had gotten married, and she had a real conviction that we were going to be tithers. And we had, you know, uh, a combined income, and this is in 1993, of probably around $2,500 a month. And I remember just going, hey, I don't know. We can't make it on $2,500 a month and tithe. And so, uh, but she had a real conviction. And, and so we started from the very... That's the only way we would make it. Yeah. So, um, so uh, Jen and I are together now. And so, um, so the only way we'd make it is if, that we were uh, to tithe, and we started, and so, um, and then God started to give us opportunities, and then, uh, I, you know, we have a real, one really funny story, our second year of marriage, you know, like we were independent in our finances, and we had accidentally uh, double tithed, where we had tithed off of each other's incomes for three weeks in a row, and uh, since uh, neither one of us wanted to ask our pastor for a refund, <laughs> we decided we were just going to go with it, and, and that was the first year Craig, that our income doubled, and I'd have to, I mean, you know, to go from where we were to, uh, to what God's done, you got to double a lot of times, and that was the first year that our income doubled, was the uh, year that we uh, accidentally doubled tithes for three weeks. Good, good accident to take place and to see the way in which God honored that. One of the things that I'm struck by, and, and you were kind enough to send a copy of a manuscript that you're working on for your life story, um, I, I get the sense that one of the things that has been key to not only this marriage relationship but to this business from the very get-go, and that is a real solid commitment to the importance of prayer. Both of you take a moment, if you would, and and explain to our listeners why you see prayer and communion with the Lord so critically important. Okay, so... um. You know, I, I'd say that uh, prayer is definitely a foundational part um, of your relationship with God. And, and what happened with me is, as a young Christian, I mean, brand new, you know, um, my, my pastor uh, started saying, hey, you have to learn how to pray 
for yourself. And that was in Pray Out Loud. And that was a real breakthrough, I believe, for me. And also uh, Janet was uh, probably way, uh, way in and probably still is more advanced, you know, spiritually than me. And so I was kind of like the little kid, right? So my pastor said, hey, you got to learn how to pray. And then um, then after both, you know, like Janet was, has always been really good at studying the Bible. And when I started studying the Bible and learning how to pray, and, you know, I would watch my pastor and kind of um, replicate what he did. You know, but I think one of the areas where we have the real breakthroughs is uh, where we learn how to pray specific prayers, you know, for our business and for the people that we work with. And i got to tell you, like, it's not just at Microbner Construction that people have been impacted for the Lord, but at Janet's business, you know, she's had many, many of these girls that work with her um, be impacted for Jesus, start going to, uh, going to church. You know, some of them have been set free from drugs. And so it, ha- it works in both of our businesses. And I would have to say it works in anybody's business, anybody that would connect their business to God and they would use their business for the glory of God and kind of uh, work in a way that with people that's not Christianese. I mean, we're just, you know, like we don't have big Bibles on our desk and we don't have bumper stickers on our car, but we just try to act to the people we work with in a Christ-like way. Is this pivotal? Is this key also from a relational standpoint in your relationship with God? And, and I pose that question because if we think about a, a relationship on the horizontal, a marriage relationship. I, I, I know, Mike, you'll agree to this, and, and certainly Janet will, that dialogue, conversation between the two spouses is critically important. That communication, that communion that takes place, uh, getting to know each other. And we know that certainly in God's economy, um, uh, prayer is our means of communicating our heart, our wishes, our needs, our situation to Him. And his word is his way of communicating back to us. So there is, in fact, that that dialogue that takes place. And as we engage in that dialogue, uh, both on the horizontal and I believe, too, on the vertical, that relationship grows and deepens. Do you think that's true? Absolutely. Yeah. No, totally. And, and, you know, Craig, I'd say this, too. You know, like, so when I'm spending time in prayer, I am, you know, I usually start by worshiping God. And during that time... God starts to drop and download into my spirit, you know, things that I have to do. And, you know, oftentimes it's, you know, not like, oh, you know, like, you're, you know, you're doing so well. Uh, sometimes it'll be like, hey, you didn't handle that business deal the way I want you to. You need to go back and fix it. Or you didn't deal with that person in a godly way, and you need to make an adjustment. So I think in that prayer time, God will drop down into your spirit. And this is really where Jen and I both have really experienced the supernatural of God is where God will drop down in our spirit in times of prayer things that we have to do. Sometimes there are adjustments. Sometimes it's like, you know, going out and making a phone call to someone. You know, I've had uh, God show me uh, a time when the economy crashed. God really showed me uh, was to start a marketing plan, and that was when there was no business. And it ended up being this huge breakthrough, and I went totally against the grain. And so I think that, you know, like, that's where people can really, really, really operate in the supernatural 
is when they spend time with Jesus and let him download to them exactly what they need to do in their life. So there needs to be some quiet time. And, and, and Janet, I'm curious because I know some people eavesdropping on our conversation are thinking, oh, yeah, I know what prayer is. That's like grabbing your shopping list and reading to God what's on your shopping list, that it's simply a list of God do this, God, I need that. It's a list of demands. But it's really much more than that, isn't it? You know what? It is, actually. And I, I'm sitting here thinking, and, you know, we had just given our lives to Christ, and we were just both starting back in our careers, or I, I was, and I remember praying um, the whole way to work that, God, let people see Jesus in me. Let the love of God flow out of me. As I wash these people's hair, let them feel the presence of God. Let it, and then also, too, with the verse that says, commit your works unto the Lord, and me, like, going into work and acting as if every client that I was serving, as if I was serving Jesus. Mm. You know what I mean? And seriously, just doing that, people will sense the, the, the Spirit of God on you. They'll sense your peace. They'll sense your joy. They'll sense your... And they'll say, what is that? What is that? They can, they, it's tangible. They can feel it. And if we're just approaching each person with the love of God, God, let your love flow through me. Let them see Jesus in me. I think that would be my prayer, not like, I want this, I want that. My whole prayer was always, God, let me just bring Jesus to these people. And I think what's critical about that, Janet, is because a a lot of people in the church today, sometimes that they they struggle with sharing their faith, they don't know where to begin, they are afraid that they're going to be rejected, that they don't know Scripture enough, and so sometimes they they sort of uh, clam up and do or say nothing. And what you're suggesting is that showing and sharing your faith can be something as simple as the godlike attitude and that prayer, as you say, Lord, in some fashion or another, I'm here, use me, speak through me, move through me, and just making yourself available and letting the Holy Spirit do the rest. Right. Absolutely. And I, and I got to be, uh, you know, when I spend prayer time, is uh, the majority of my prayer time is in an intercession. I'm not, I, I cannot remember uh, in the longest time praying, God give me or God bless me. I don't pray that way. I'm praying for others. You know what I mean? I'm praying for other people, praying for the people I work with. Both Jan and I, we pray for the people we work with. And what happens is when you start to pray pe- with pe- uh, for people, you will love who you pray for. So since we're praying for these people, it, it's created this love for the people inside of us, and so that can't be faked. So people can see that we love them, you know, and so it really uh, it really affects our relationship with people. And then the other thing I'm praying is, God, give me wisdom. Yes. Show me what to do. God, make it so crystal clear that even I'd understand it. And when I pray that way, God will show me what to do. I mean, everyone, people are praying, like, God bless me, give me favor. And I'm not against that, but, you know, we've taken a little different route, and, and our route is, God, show us what to do. If there's an adjustment that we need to make in our lives, you know, I mean, I, I think everybody, you know, everybody wants to, yeah, give us wisdom. Everybody wants a testimony, right? But nobody wants to go through any tests. Yeah. So, I, I mean, like, we'll be going through something that's, you know, a significant trial. 
and we'll pray. God, show us your heart how to deal with this. I mean, we've had to forgive people that have, you know, ripped us off. We've had to, you know, uh, step aside and try to, uh, when people have cheated us. And then we've had huge breakthroughs as God has led us to just move on and, um, and when people have treated us unfairly. And, and you know, your words uh, ought to ring loud and clear for all of us that there is no testimony without a test and that we can be focused on what I want, what I need. But the Word tells us that God will give us the desires of our heart, but but it also tells us that our heart should be focused on Him. So if the desire of your heart is really to know Him, love Him, serve Him, and know Him greater, at the end of the day, God is going to honor His Word, and He will fulfill those desires of your heart, provided that he is first on your list. We're visiting today with Mike and Janet Rovner. And uh, when we come back after a brief time out, I want to talk about this this um, issue of relationship with God and living out that relationship in such a fashion that the world may see. Mike and Janet Rovner. Mike, by the way, is, uh, as we mentioned, the president of Rovner Construction, and his wife, Janet, owns a salon and day spa. You can get more information, by the way, about their ministry online at thriveteaching.org. That's thriveteaching.org. They have taken together a lot of their experiences and looking at workplace evangelism and outreach and what all that means in a very practical sense and made those resources available to you. So check them out, thriveteaching.org. Dot .org. A timeout back with more as Lifeline continues. Let's get a look at traffic right now. 618 on the clock and at the KFAX Traffic Center. What's going on this Tuesday? And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. There's an interesting new poll out of the UK and no doubt applicable here in the States as well that I think really shines the light on a horrible reality that we're facing today and a wonderful outreach opportunity. The poll revealed that a staggering 89% of young people of the uh, the so-called, I guess they're in that uh, Gen Zer category, right? Those between the ages of 18 and 29, 89% feel their lives are meaningless and without purpose. Now, I bet if that survey went one step deeper and asked people, well, do you know of God? They'd probably say yes. Maybe they went to church as a child or they have a friend that went to church or they've read about. They know of the existence of God. The problem that is no doubt majority contributory to their sense of lack of meaning in life is that they know of God, but they don't know God. We're talking today with Mike and Janet Rovner, who certainly have demonstrated in our conversation they not only know of God, but they know God. And Mike, I guess that is a very important distinction. At the end of the day, from the standpoint of marketplace evangelism, living out our lives, if the two of you have, and just making yourself available wherever and whenever God can use you really helps people to see that there is that difference between knowing of God and knowing God. Hello. Yes, we're here. Oh, we we lost you for a second. So um, I didn't hear. I'm sorry. Could you repeat the question? Yeah, yeah, no problem. So in in, in a nutshell, I was talking about this survey 
that uh, demonstrates that amongst Gen Zers, people from the age of 18 to 29, a staggering 89% responded that their lives are meaningless and without purpose. And I would suspect that if you could really drill down, you'd find out that they would also tell you that, yeah, they know God, they know of God, they've heard of God, uh, they've gone to church, they, they have a friend that's gone to church, but they know of God, but they don't know God, and that's the important distinction. Yeah, and, you know, and, and what I, w- I would say to that, and I know Jenna Jan wants to answer that too, is that's why, you know, the world is starving for authenticity. And I think that, you know, like where Jen and I have had um, success with people is because we try to be authentic with people and, and be Christ like with people. And, you know, when you're that way, it'll draw the, even the 18 to 29 year olds. I mean, like, we're actually having a tremendous amount of success with the, um, uh, we would call them the millennials, you know, of our church, and, you know, that they're just hungry for it. And they're just, people are looking for authenticity. And, you know, what happens is, you know, most Christians want to preach at people, or they want to give them a list of do's and don'ts, but really people just are looking for someone to love on them and someone to be, um, uh, to be compassionate to them. And when they do, when, when we do that, people are drawn to us, and then, you know, then, then they're super open to the gospel, which we know that the gospel is really the only hope for any person. So, um, you know, that would be, I'd say, my challenge to anybody, even listening today, is to just be Christ-like to as many people as you can, and you just watch and see how people will just open up. Well, that really goes then to the core of your identity, of your being. And it's interesting because oftentimes you'll hear people criticize and say, well, you know, Christianity, I know you Christians, it's all a list of don't do this, don't do the other thing. And they don't really have any sense of of the, the purposeful aspect of knowing God. So I guess at the end of the day, part of what we need to be very um, intentional about is understanding that in order to be effective, it's not just a list of do's and don'ts. It's really about showing people who we are in our relationship with Christ. Would you agree? Absolutely. And, and loving them with the love of God, because that's a supernatural love. That's a love beyond what we can do on our own. Um, just letting his love flow through us. It's, it's funny to your saying this. I just had the opportunity today. One of my ma- male hairstylists was asking me, how did you get into God? Or how did, you know, I've never, and I, I just told him it's just as simple as, you know, just tell him, God, I want to know you. You know, just start there. Just start like saying, God, show me, show me you. You know what I mean? And sometimes, like, I think once people get, you know, they they accept Christ and they get into a relationship with God, and then through His Word, He's going to show them how purposeful their life is and how He created them for a reason and with a destiny in mind. And as they get to know Him, they will feel like, no, there is a purpose for me. You know, He had... He's, it says that he, we were created for good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. Um, as they get to know him, they'll find purpose. 
And there's a real practical simplicity, I think, to what you're saying, Janet, in the sense that a lot of people get scared off in sharing their faith or engaging in market-style, marketplace evangelism uh, because they either think they're going to make a mistake or they're afraid that they don't know what to do. Just be you. And and let the reality of your relationship with God shine through. Maybe the big fault here, Mike, the challenge for a lot of people is that they have a difficult time doing that because they don't really have a rich, vibrant relationship with the Lord. Absolutely. Let me let me give you one testimony that one of my favorites. Okay, so um, I had a I had a businessmen's prayer group that I led for like seven or eight years, and afterwards we'd go have breakfast, and we had the same waitress. You know, for this was over like a year's period of time, right? So this waitress is there hearing us talk about God, you know, for, for several months. It's Christmas time. And I told the guys, I said, hey, listen, it's Christmas. Um, so uh, let's all pitch in, uh, you know, the, the breakfast was maybe 60 bucks. Six guys pitched in 20 bucks a piece, and we left her a $120 tip. We left it on the table and said, you know, God bless you this Christmas. We walk outside. She runs outside to where we're at and said, I want to pray with you, and I want to know this God that you guys are talking about. So I think what it is is we just have to show people God in a practical way. You know, like there's this scripture in, uh, that I was using yesterday in Ephesians where it says, Christ's love for us was not cautious, yet it was extravagant. We just need to be... We just, and to love people like that, we just need to be extravagantly, extravagantly love people, and we will love them right to the cross. I mean, that, the one scripture my wife likes it a lot is, it's the love of God that draws all men. You know what I mean? It's not the, your Bible knowledge or your, how, you, how well you can uh, articulate Christianese. It's the love of God that draws people. And, you know, at the end of the day, you had mentioned earlier, Janet, and this is a good note for us to depart on, that really making yourself available. Mike, you talked about um, not not spending all day long in, the, in your prayer with the Lord with a long laundry list of all the things about you, but rather going to the throne of grace and interceding on behalf of others and really seeking ways in which God can use us and we make ourselves available to him and then being responsive in that moment of need. I mean, you know, something as simple as leaving an extra nice tip for a waitress and who knows what what went on? Not only did that extra blessing maybe be a life-changing thing that, that enabled her to buy a Christmas gift for a kid because maybe she's a single mom working two jobs and struggling, and that one small gesture made such a huge difference that immediately it said to her, there's something different about these people. Who is this Jesus of which you speak? Right, 100%. I, I, you know, I mean, like, I think that Jan and I have practiced on uh, generosity evangelism. I mean, you know, like, we just try to be a blessing to as many people as we possibly, loving and kind to as many people as we possibly can, you know, Christian and non-Christian. And, you know, because of that, it just draws people because they see something, you know, that's different about you, you know. And so uh, I would have to say, you know, the, the biggest reason why more people don't get born again is because Christians are not... Uh, acting Christ-like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so if you act Christ-like, people are going to be drawn to you. I've often said on this program that the big challenge that the world is facing, and we've seen it even demonstrated again with um, all of the uh, the horrific shootings in the last uh, week here or so, and that is not that we're struggling with an overabundance of darkness, but rather that we're lacking 
for light. And the more that we shine our light, the more he will show himself, reveal himself, and ultimately be able with that light to penetrate the hearts and lives of the lives that we touch. Our thanks to Mike and Janet Rovner. More information, by the way, about their ministry online at thriveteaching.org. That's thriveteaching.org. All right, 6.33. I'm going to have to step aside here. We're a little bit late. Let's get you caught up on travel. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. I sat down the other day with a friend of church who uh, recently had a new addition to the family, a new baby daughter, and of course, the usual thrill and delight that any father demonstrates when he's got his first daughter. And as we were talking about what this meant now in becoming a father to a daughter and the challenges that uh, she would no doubt face growing up in the world that's filled with uh, so much sin and everything that we see on TV and on the internet and so forth. He turned to me at one point in the conversation. He said, you know, Craig, he says, I think that I would feel better about this if I could just lock my daughter in the house, cut off the Internet and television until she's, say, 35, and then I would feel okay about this. Certainly, as he says that tongue-in-cheek, that might be a temptation. But all of us recognize that raising kids today, be they daughters or sons, in a world that is filled with so much sin and so much stuff that is available on the Internet, on the streets, texting, telephones, and, of course, television and entertainment and so forth, presents some huge challenges to parents who want to do all they can to properly train up a child and, in many respects, prepare them for what it means to become adults. Taking a look at this um, somewhat of a challenging topic is Dennis Rainey from Family Life Today, author of a number of best-selling books down through the years, of course, uh, including one of his latest, Stepping Up, A Call to Courageous Manhood. And uh, Dennis, as always, great to have you on the program. It's great to be with you too, Craig. I haven't been out in your direction in a long time. Let's talk a bit about um, the passport to purity, which is something I think is coming just in time for parents who really struggle with what they see going on in the world around them, and they say, you know, there are so many ways in which my son or my daughter has been being pulled in this direction or that direction, and it almost seems as if there's just no simple, surefire way, short of my friend's recommendation of locking them in the house till they're 35, to protect them from all this. Craig, for 11 years, I taught a sixth-grade Sunday school class. I had 550 11- and 12-year-olds go through my class. And by the time I finished teaching that, that class, I was convinced that uh, the ages 10, 11, 12 provided a window of opportunity that most parents don't realize is there and don't seize the moment to drive a truckload of truth and boundaries and education into their lives for the very reason you're talking about. They're just around the corner from what I believe is the most perilous some of the most perilous years a human being faces on the planet, the teenage years. And I created a tool that was really the contents of what I taught those kids, and it's called Passport to Purity. And what it is is it's a, a package of, uh, of CDs that a parent can play, and uh, in the process, uh, the, we guide the parent in how to have discussions with the father, son, mother, daughter, over a Friday night, Saturday, to prepare them for what they're going to face in adolescence. And uh, 
personally, I, I, we've done a lot of good things at Family Life over the years. Our broadcast, you know, heard daily, 8.30 in the morning on uh, KFAX. Um, but this tool, Passport to Purity, has had 150,000 young people go through it. And I think it's one of the best things we've ever done, bar none. And, you know, Dennis, when we think about the challenges that young parents are facing, and I'm sure you hear this all the time from listeners who uh, call in and write you um, from the broadcast who say, you know, boy, to sit down with my kids, uh, number one, when we were kids growing up, and, you know, for our, our child's perspective, that seems like back in the Stone Ages, uh, many of these things weren't even discussed. I mean, I don't, I don't think I began dating with even any kind of cursory permission from Dad till 16, 17 years old. I mean, anything earlier than that, you're too young. So that kids seem to be growing up a lot faster, and then a lot of parents feel so overwhelmed because unlike what it was like when we grew up, we didn't have to deal with the Internet and sexting and texting and what goes on with uh, modern-day technology. And a lot of parents, I think, as a result, Dennis, feels so ill-equipped to address these critical topics that sometimes they make the big mistake of simply saying nothing at all or waiting until it's too late. And in the process, Craig, what they do is they let the world do it. Mm. See, when we as parents don't fulfill our ministry in the lives of our our children, and by the way, your children are not your youth pastor's responsibility. Your children are your responsibility. God gave them to you. It is your ministry. In in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, since we've received this ministry, we do not lose heart. And I think what the culture is doing, Craig, is I think it's robbing parents of their courage. It convinces them they're not experts. They don't know what they're doing. They're ill-equipped, as you said. And what we've sought to do is put together a tool that makes the parent look like a hero. Because this is, this is a cool tool. So what you're really doing then here, Dennis, with the passport to purity is you're blowing some really big misconceptions out of the water. To begin with the idea that some parents think that this is an option to educate or not to educate on the topic of purity and and sexuality and so forth. Oh, believe me, they will get educated. The question is, is it going to be done within the context of God's design for relationships, or is it going to be done outside of the home, outside of the church, by the modern culture and media? Paul writes in Romans chapter 16, uh, near, near the end of that chapter, in the end of the book of Romans, this statement. He said, he's speaking like a parent. He said, but I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in, of what is evil. Now, if you could capture the assignment of a parent, the assignment of a parent is to train their children in wisdom, which comes from God, skill in everyday living according to the Scriptures, be wise in what is good, and to protect your children from evil, to be innocent. So they don't arrive in marriage carrying luggage from all the mistakes that they've made being allowed to go their own way all the way through adolescence. And and even if you do this with excellence, you still may not prevent that because they've got a choice. But to not engage and, and, and not have the discussion... I think what Passport to Purity does that is so effective is it gives the parent and the the young person, the 10, 11, 12-year-old, a common vocabulary, a common lexicon of terms and of topics that can be discussed, not just in this Friday night, Saturday experience, uh, mother, daughter, father, son, 
one time, but can be talked about then, followed up on the next week, the next month, and then for the next uh, decade of their lives as they go through adolescence. And if there's ever been a time when young people needed parents to be engaged in their lives, it's when they're going through the adolescent years before they reach adulthood and maturity. Is this a tool that would have made life even easier for you and Barbara had this been available to you when you were raising your kids? Oh, absolutely. The reason I taught the the sixth grade Sunday school class is because I didn't know what I was doing. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to use the sixth grade Sunday school class to teach my kids. And by the time you teach something 11 times, the kids don't realize it, but they've probably taught you more as a parent than you've taught them. (laughs) Very true. And, and what I said was, I want to put this, what I learned over 11 years of teaching this class, the object lessons, how we went about it, how we had fun doing it, very entertaining style, music, drama, all kinds of fun surprises along the way, embarrassing moments where we talk about, now you're turning red, because we're talking about the most intimate of life issues. We had fun doing it, and the kids enjoyed it in the process. It's interesting, uh, Craig, I've got... Uh, soon to have 19 grandkids. Barbara and I are very young, but our our kids have not been bashful about being fruitful and multiplying, okay? <laughs> but we're now seeing some of my grandkids go through this. And it is really cool to think that here is a, a, a 10, 11, 12-year-old who is being coached around the major traps he or she is going to face multiple times through adolescence and have a game plan and hopefully a high enough standard on the front end that they'll be able to stay out of the traps and be innocent of what is evil. And you know, when you think about this, it comes down to issues of really helping kids to understand that all along the way in life, they are going to be confronted with choices. The question is, ultimately, are they going to be equipped to have the right answer, the right decision-making process to make the right choices. And I guess that's where so often today, Dennis, modern education and secular society fails our kids because a lot of them are out there with an agenda that tries to present up the notion that there aren't any choices. That, for example, if a young lady finds herself in a crisis pregnancy situation, that the only choice she has is to abort that child, that there are no options. This, in fact, really helps to educate the children then from a very early age on this topic to understand that they've got choices in life. I, 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 I don't have this documented, but I recently heard about a, a major publisher that had done some research among pastors. And um, the number one concern these pastors had about the people going to their church was that there's a generation of young men and women getting married, having kids, forming their own families, and, and biblically, they don't have those convictions in place. Mm. And what, what we've attempted to do here is not just have a fun experience with a father, son, mother, daughter, but to, to take them to the Scripture and let them see, you know what, the Bible, the Bible is fun. The Bible is relevant. The Bible saves you from death. It saves you from pain. It saves you from shame, from guilt. And if you follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, if you build your life around right choices, which is wisdom and not foolishness, you're going to, to not only experience adolescence on a whole different level, you're going to move into adulthood 
kind of knowing where you're going and where you base your life upon. And I think it's every parent's desire that their son or daughter be equipped as they leave their home when they're 18, 19, 20, whenever it is, to be able to live life and live it skillfully. Dennis Rainey, my guest today on this edition of Lifeline. The program, of course, Family Life Today, comes your way every weekday morning at 8.30 a.m. right here on KFAX. Dennis, of course, when he pulls out the pictures of the grandkids, it's not just few photographs in a wallet. There's a whole PowerPoint presentation. We're going to come back to more of our conversation, a look at Passport to Purity, and by the way, how this wonderful resource can be available to you and your family as our conversation with Dennis Rainey from Family Life Today continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to this edition of Lifeline. Craig Roberts along with a very special guest. You recognize his voice certainly as host of Family Life Today. Heard weekday mornings at 8.30 a.m. right here on KFAX. He's Dennis Rainey. And Dennis has joined us today to talk about a wonderful resource that he's making available through Family Life Today. And you can get more details, by the way, on the web by going to familylife.com. That's familylife.com. This new resource is called Passport to purity. It can help you better equip your child for what they're going to face in life, particularly when we talk about many of the issues related to modern-day sexuality and all that that means. And you know what's interesting, Dennis? A lot of parents think that they are singular in the role of raising up a child or influencing a child. But I guess the real reality is that when it comes to child-rearing, there are some other influences taking place in there as well friendships, their peers, the people that they associate with, the influences that they're going to be subjected to in modern-day culture and media. You know, Craig, we raised six children through adolescence. Nothing challenged my leadership like raising kids through adolescence. It was all hands on deck every day. But the biggest challenge, and this is going to sound terribly hypocritical, but it was Christian peers kids that our kids went to church with, who they looked up to, but who um, would encourage our children to disobey us or or call us fuddy-duddies or out to lunch. And I think by the time I finished raising, Barbara and I finished raising our six, we we both knew that we had to know what was going on in our kids' lives around peer pressure. Who their, who their friends were, where they came from, and even if they went to church with our kids, did not guarantee that they were going to give them sound advice. So this notion that somehow, well, if we send our child to a, a Christian school, for example, and it certainly <laughs> means nothing from a pejorative sense whatsoever, but the fact of the matter is you never know how another parent is training up their child or the kind of values that they're instilling in them And so as a result, it really comes back to building that firm, solid foundation with your son or daughter as early on as possible. You know, one of the most revealing uh, times as we raised each of our six into adolescence came in junior high and high school. It was, as you just said, Craig, it was as our kids' friends moved into adolescence with them, we begin to see what the true values were and how they got played out in everyday life in these peers. And what looked like a Christian family with Christian teaching, and you you would think with high standards, 
the junior high years, the high school years, revealed, hey, wait a second, you know what? It may have had the appearance of going to church, teaching about Christ, but the young person either didn't get it or the parents didn't teach it because the way they were living was in a different direction. Dennis, do sometimes the parents kind of think, and and falsely so, that this will all sort of take care of itself? In other words, I might feel bashful or awkward about addressing the issue of um, sexuality with my daughter, say. So I assume that, well, this will be covered in Sunday school, and they'll get some education because, after all, we're we're making the sacrifice to send the kids to a private school. Those topics will be addressed there, and of course, they're good kids, and we take them to school and to church uh, every week, and so we really don't have to worry about this, it'll all take care of itself. Is that is that a, a do you find in your experience that is a frequent misperception? I think so, and I think there's one other thing I'd add to it. I think a lot of parents are afraid to get into the conversation with their kids about sex because they're afraid their kids are going to say, "Hey, mom, dad, what'd you do?" There it is, and that's the reality. I think that parents need to come to grips with that, as you say, for our generation, uh, getting access to a lot of this meant heading down to the you know the ugly, seedy side of town that nobody ever went into. Uh, today, you don't have to even leave the convenience and privacy of your own home. It finds you. And I guess in the, in the, in the final analysis, Dennis, parents have to understand, look, this is going to find your kids one way or another. The question is, when it does, will they be ready with an answer? Will they be equipped with the kind of tools, skills, and moral and spiritual foundation that they need to make the right choices? No more valuable a gift that you could give to your son or daughter at a time when they need it the most than the passport to purity. Again, more information online at FamilyLife.com. That's FamilyLife.com. Grandma, Grandpa, don't wait for your son and daughter to go out and pick up a copy. Do something right now. Be proactive to protect your grandkids. Go online and order it today. Get more information. FamilyLife.com. The passport to purity. Dennis, as always, we sure appreciate the time, my friend. And appreciate you, Craig, and love the listeners of KFAX in the Bay Area, and look forward to seeing you someday. And look forward to you getting away from the heat and come on out here and join us in the, the natural air conditioning of the Bay Area fog. <laughs> <laughs> There's Dennis Rainey from Family Life Today, the broadcast weekday mornings at 8.30 right here on KFAX. Check it out, invite a friend to listen, and check out, too, more information on the Passport to Purity. Simply log on to FamilyLife.com. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.